Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome, church familia, visitors, those who are with us online. We believe that this is the perfect place for imperfect people because the presence of God is here with us when we gather together and with us always. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I cannot wait until my kids go back to school. Amen? Any students, you're excited for school in a few weeks? (laughs) All right, how how about the parents? Are you excited to send them back? Oh, man, thank you, Lord. Shout out to all the teachers. Love you. Thank you. So grateful for you. Listen, I love my children. I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old. I'm so grateful that God has entrusted me to steward these little ones. But I'm just saying, I'm grateful they're going back to school in two weeks because having three kids in the house is messy, it's busy, it's noisy, and, and they're taking away my peace, and I don't have the patience to deal with it any longer. So I am so grateful that they're going back to school. And maybe for you, maybe you don't have little ones in the house. Maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe they've grown up. Those are problems in and of themselves. We'll talk about that another day. But all of us, I think if we're honest, we could benefit from some more peace and patience. Amen? How many of us would like to see some more peace and patience in our lives? The rest of you, you're either perfect or you're a liar. I'm going with the latter. Maybe for you, it's not little kids. Maybe it's dealing with the stress of work and the people of work. Maybe it's, it's a relationship that, that, that you now have to deal with that has been severed or is, is in discontent. Maybe for you, it's the, the peace and the patience you're looking for comes from a place of watching all this news on television that's bad and all these fake people on social media and it's giving you FOMO because you, you don't want to miss out and now your, your patience has been tried and you don't have peace in your hearts. I want to remind you today and let you know that God wants to grow something good here today. Amen. We're in this series called Locally Grown where we're talking about the fruit, the, the character, the Christ-like character that God wants to grow within us himself as we learn to lean in to the leading of the Spirit of God with us. And we find these fruit, these Christ-like characteristics in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. You can open up your Bibles, follow along on the apps, look at the screen. Here's what it says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, somebody say peace. Patience is what we're talking about today. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh and its passions and its desires. We've said, Lord, you are Lord. You are God. We're putting away what we desire and we want more of you. And then verse 25 is key. It says, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also walk by the Spirit. Let's read this together, all aloud, together at once. Read it with me. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And that's my prayer for this series, that we will learn to live and walk in the Spirit. Because we have been made alive by His Spirit. 
The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit living inside of us. And now we are part of the family of God. We're friends with Jesus. We've been forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, future. We've been set free from the power of sin and death forever. If you're grateful that God has set us free, can we give him praise? We've been made alive by his spirit, but I want you to look to your neighbor right now. Look him in the eyes and tell him, but you didn't do that. We had no part in setting us free. We didn't do that. It's all by the grace of God through Jesus Christ alone, by faith in him that we have been set free. It's all a gift of God's grace. There's nothing we've done to make ourselves good. There's no gift that we can give that would somehow garner that. There's there's nothing good within us to, to make ourselves and allow ourselves to be acceptable in the sight of God. God has given that to us through the gift of grace in Jesus. We've been made alive by the Spirit. And when we talk about these fruit of the Spirit, when we talk about peace and patience, even those things God gives to us naturally as a gift. Because let me tell you, I've tried to grow in my peace and my patience all by myself, and it's not working so well, okay? I want to be peaceful. I want to have patience with people. I've been talking to my therapist about this church, and some of you, you know who you are. I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I'm not. Listen, and, and she says, you're making progress, Eric, but, but I'm still not where I think I need to be when it comes to peace and patience in my life. But here's the thing. I have to remind myself, I didn't save myself. It was all God. I didn't make myself better to begin with. It's by his grace that I've been transformed. So why am I stressing so much when I don't see the growth that I think I should be producing with the energy that I'm putting in when it's all because of him anyway? So we've been set free. We're alive because of the spirit. My prayer is that we'd learn to lean in and learn from his Holy Spirit, that he would grow and develop this fruit and bring this growth naturally as we do that. Because here's why this is important. God has a purpose for your life. This isn't pastor speak. This isn't positive communication. God has a purpose for your life. He wants to use you in ways that you have not yet imagined to bring help to people who are far off. God has a purpose before anything else in your life. God wants to use you to help bring freedom to people who are far off. One of our values here as a church is help. You see it everywhere around this church. We believe that help happens here. And here's what we mean by that. The way that I serve God is by serving other people. Now let me ask a question. It's not rhetorical. Can we actually help God? Can we? No, no, we can't. I mean, we have our ideas. I know some of you are like, can vegetables taste better? Can we have 30 hours a day so we can get more work done? Get rid of traffic, mosquitoes. Why did you do that? We have our ideas of how we think we can help God and help his church. But the reality is we can't offer any sort of tangible help to God. He's God. He has no need. We are imperfect people. But let me tell you, God allows us to be part of bringing help. He allows us to serve him by how we serve people. 
And we have to get this. This isn't a Sunday sermon to get you guys to sign up to be part of the serve team here. It's bigger than that. If, if you want to see fruit in your life, if you want to spiritually mature, if you say you are mature and say you have a love for God, then that love will be lived out in your life to people that you can't see to serve a God that you can't see. Help happens here. God wants to use you. God has purposed and created you to help bring help to people who are far from him, to help bring freedom to people who are without hope. But here's a problem. The problem in helping is people. The problem with peace, the problem with patience is people. And I'm not just talking about those people. We all have those people in our mind, those people we don't agree with, those people we do not like, those people we don't see eye to eye with. I'm not just talking about those people are the problem. All people are the problem because all of us are imperfect. All of us, we fall short. Maybe you've been in a relationship that didn't quite work out and you said these famous words. Listen, the reason I'm breaking up, it's, it's not you, it's, it's me. And sometimes it is you. Sometimes it is me. Sometimes by the way we think, in the way that, the, the way that we receive information, we think I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm not young enough, I'm not old enough to make any sort of difference with all my past hurts, with all the headaches I've caused other people. I'm not worthy enough to be used by God. And, and we don't give ourselves patience that we're growing and we don't have peace in our hearts. And sometimes the problem is us, but sometimes the problem is them. Sometimes the problem is other people, the, the ones who criticize, the ones who critique without love, the ones who have a different opinion on how everything should work. Sometimes they are the problem. And let me be honest with you, okay? Perfect place for imperfect people, yes? Sometimes when I think about helping people, I'm like, help them? I don't even want to be around those people. I don't care that you don't like me. I don't like you. There you go. Like The, the problem is people, but I want you to understand this. People aren't my problem. Selfishness is my problem. Sinfulness is my problem. People are a problem because we're imperfect, but people matter to God. And just like we talked about last week, what God asks of us, God gives to us first. God wants us to show peace and patience. God displayed that in an example of love to us first so we can learn and grow from that. So John chapter 13, turn your Bibles there, it'll be up on the screen. Here's what it says. I want you to see his example of peace and patience. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus is about to willingly head to be punished and tortured and die upon a cross, but he still has peace about his purpose. He still knows who he is, who's with him, and what God has called him to do. Again, God has created you on purpose for a purpose. 
before your education, before your accolades, before your bank account, before what you feel is your calling, you have a purpose that God has created you with. And that purpose is to connect to him and to connect other people into a relationship with him. God has created you to be at peace with him and to grow in relationship with him and to help other people grow in relationship with him. And when we are helping people in the name of Jesus, it helps us to look more like Jesus. So I want you to write this big idea down. Jesus had peace about his purpose. He knew even though he was heading to the cross, this is what God sent me to do. But he also had patience. Say patience. Patience with people who did not understand it. We'll talk about that today. That word patience, it literally means to be long-tempered. And we see several different uh, variations of this in the Bible. But when, when we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it's talking about being long-tempered, to have long-suffering. And it has two useful applications. The first one is this. It's the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering may come our way. Patience is the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering may come our way. But the second one is the ability to put up with the weaknesses and shortcomings of others without quickly getting irritated or angry enough to want to fight back. We see this patience lived out in the example of love that Jesus gave. Verse two, it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God, was going back to God, he rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe the towel that was uh, wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He had peace about what God had called him to do, his purpose for coming. He had patience, he endured it all the way. And then he had patience with these people, these imperfect people. What did Jesus do? How did he show patience? By helping, by serving these imperfect people, specifically two betrayers. Judas sold him out to be murdered. Peter denied him publicly in front of people. And I know when it comes to our mind, we, we have categories of sin. And we think this sin is worse than this sin. But sin is sin to God. Sin separates from God. And so we need a savior. But in our minds, we think a lot of times that Judas's sin was greater. In his defense, and I know it's indefensible, but in Judas's defense, at least he wasn't annoying about it. You're going to stab me in the back? Do it quickly. Get people to come and get me. But Peter, oh my gosh, Peter, all throughout his journey with Jesus, he does so many annoying and irritating things. Here's an example. He came to Simon Peter, verse 6, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards, say afterwards, Afterwards, you will understand, meaning calm down. Let me finish what I'm doing. Wait till the end. But Peter is so impatient. And look at the patience Jesus shows. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, again, this is one of several moments where Peter is impatient and explosive in his response and his reaction. And Jesus shows patience with him. I wonder if if I were in this situation, how I would have responded. Like all the questions, all the comments, when all he had to do was just, be quiet, Peter. Let let, let me finish. I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this. But Peter continued to be irritating and annoying. And a lot of us, we don't have patience for people like that. Amen. Amen. Now, I also know that that we long for patience. We we, we want to see patience grown in our lives. But if we're honest, we don't want our patience to be tested. Now, I've heard this said a lot. Maybe you've said it. Or maybe it's just because I hang around a lot of pastors that I hear it so often. But I've, I've heard people say multiple times, don't pray for patience. Don't pray for patience, because if you pray for patience, God is going to put people in front of you that will try your patience as though praying for something good is a bad thing, as though praying for a, a, a characteristic of Christ that he wants to develop in us naturally is a bad thing, as though people are the problem. People are a problem, but people are not my problem. I have found that that when I pray for something good like patience to be developed in me, God doesn't throw imperfect people in front of me that annoy me. God puts people and things and situations in front of me to reveal my weakness so that I can confront it. People are the problem. It's you, it's me, we're imperfect. But my problem is my sinfulness. My selfishness, that I don't have the patience to sit down and to listen to you as to understand why you say the things and do the things and believe the things you do. No, instead, I want to teach. I want to unload. I want to correct. But then we see the patience that Jesus displayed for people, that Jesus displayed for me. That Jesus extended to me. We see his heart. Verse 12. It says when he had washed their feet. And put on his outer garments. He resumed his place. And he said to them. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right for so I am. If, if then I'm your teacher and Lord. And I've washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done. And it's so nice. He says it twice. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Church, listen. Jesus leaves no room for misunderstanding. He says, if I am your Lord, and I am, because I am God in the flesh, I am creator, I am supplier, I am provider. If I am your master, and I am, and I humbly helped people, you must do the same. This is his example for us and toward us. 
As followers of Jesus, we are supposed to be servants, not snobs. This is the example he gave. And then he says, verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you do these things, the heart of God is to help people. And he wants us to be patient with people, just like he's been patient with us, just like he's provided us with people to surround us, to encourage us, to correct us, to help us when we've gone astray, just like he's tarried with us, that he doesn't give us what we deserve the moment that we sin against them, but he has grace and patience. We are to give the same thing. How do we do that? Next big idea. Without peace, serving people with patience is not possible. Without peace, if you want to grow in patience, it develops naturally when we have peace in our lives. We want to be patient with other people. We can't skip the fruit of peace in our lives. And see, peace is, it, it's a primary example and theme throughout God's word. It's part of his plan. It's part of his, his desire for us. We see peace all throughout God's word, this word shalom. We hear Jesus talk about peace. We hear Paul in all 13 letters that Paul wrote. Paul says somewhere in there, grace and peace, shalom to you. It's a powerful intentional word that we see all throughout the Bible. And I want to talk about three of those times we see it. In, in Romans 5.1, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, with whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, which we now stand. Here Paul is talking about peace with God. That when we surrender our lives to what Jesus has done for us on the cross and resurrected so we can be set free, when we surrender our lives to that and repent and receive that, we are promised peace with God. That we don't have to be anxious on that day of judgment. Here's what peace with God means. It means peace of heart and conscience. The absence of guilt and fear. When we place our trust in Jesus, we are promised relationship with God. We are promised our sins forgiven forever. And so now when we stand before God on that day of judgment, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to worry. Will I be accepted in? Because now I'm at peace with God because of what Jesus has done. In Philippians, uh, we see the peace of God. And this means peace of mind and freedom from worldly anxiety or panic. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I love this passage. I read it often. It's one of my top five favorite Bible passages. Here's what it says. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Make your request be made known to God. And then the rest of the verse, it says this, and the peace of God, I love this, which transcends all understanding, which surpasses our understanding, which doesn't make sense, but it is so true. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is peace of God. And this isn't some blase, happy-go-lucky feeling like joy. Like joy, it is not a feeling, it is a faith. 
it is a firm security in who he is and what he has done and how he will lead me. It's the peace of God. It doesn't make sense because his presence is with me. I don't have to be afraid. But then we see this third type of peace. And as we talk about help happening here, this is the peace that I really want to expand on today. The third type of peace that we see in God's word is peace with others. In Ephesians chapter 2, it, it unpacks this perfectly. It says, because Jesus is our peace and he has broken down the dividing wall of separation between us and him. And now we have peace with him and the peace of God fills our heart. Ephesians 2 says, now we must try to live out peace with other people. See, peace with God and the peace of God, they come naturally. They come naturally as we surrender, as we receive Jesus and we repent of our sin. Those are developed naturally within us. But this peace with others, we have a part to play in this. We have a part to play in, in, in having patience and peace with other people so that they could experience the peace of God and have peace with God. We have a part to play. And we get a full picture of this in Romans chapter 14. We're not going to read all of it, but it's important to note. As you turn there right now, I want to give you a little bit of context of what we're about to read in Romans chapter 14, all of Romans. He's writing this letter to a church in Rome. And they are the epicenter of the known world at that time. They are a center, uh, a city filled with culture and great cuisine and, and liberal thinking. And so this church in Rome, it is made up of a vast amount of different types of people with different backgrounds and different beliefs and different religious upbringings, but now they are together as one church. But in this church, Paul is addressing some of the little things that are causing division and divide within them, things specifically like what can we eat, what shouldn't we eat, what day is the day of Sabbath? And to a lot of us and a lot of people, we think that's no big deal. But that's exactly why it is a big deal. Because it mattered to the people. And now because something mattered to them, but it didn't matter to someone else. And there's misunderstanding. And there's not patience and peace between people. Now there is divide. And we see this a lot in the church today. Can I be honest? Somebody like, I don't know. What are you going to say? Listen, we spend so much time and energy and attention on little things that may be good, but don't matter in the end. Little things like which policy should we tell people to vote for? Which politician should we tell people to vote for? Well, how should we operate within the church? What are some of the things that we should do with mass or no mass and clean and all of that stuff? And we spend so much attention on the noise and it's a distraction from the ultimate mission, our purpose, to point people to the only one who can actually bring them peace. And now there's no peace between us because we don't see eye to eye about something. We're not willing to walk hand in hand with people. And there's division. There's impatience. And instead of bringing peace to this lost and dying world that needs the hope of Jesus... We're infighting within ourselves. Let me share something that I pray will lift the burden 
in many of our hearts today. And it's this. We don't need to agree on everything. We don't. Let me speak to some church family who's at home right now. Maybe you're watching this online and you no longer come and call this church home because of something I said that you didn't agree with or a policy that we put in place to protect people that you don't agree with and now you're looking for another church. Can I tell you something? I love you. And I want you to be in a place where you can grow and serve and everyone here as well. But you need to know this. You're never going to find a perfect church. Why? Because you're there. And you're imperfect, just like me, just like us. So we don't have to agree on everything as long as we agree on the main thing. And that is that Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. And if we can agree on that, we can get some work done. We can bring some help to our local community. I want you to write this down. We don't need to agree on everything. We don't. It's not going to happen. We're imperfect people. But here's what we need to do. But we do need to accept everyone. Even with that, some of you are like, I don't agree with that. <laughs> what about those people? Thankfully, these aren't my words. They're God's. Romans 14.1. Now accept, say accept. Accept the one who is weak in faith, but not to have quarrels over opinions. Another translation says, well, welcome people. Welcome people who may be weak in the faith, who may be new in faith, who may disagree with you, but not, don't bring them into your house. Don't invite them out to lunch so you can argue with them. Here's why you're wrong. Here's what you need to believe. Do you believe these five things? Are you, are you sold out to these seven steps? No. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but the one who is weak eats only vegetables. And contrary to what you may think, he's not talking about vegans here, okay? So let's leave Johnny alone. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. We see this all throughout Romans 14. Contempt and judgment. Why should we not do that? For God has accepted him. So I want you to hear this. What Paul is saying is that if I don't accept another follower of Jesus, and if I refuse to extend patience with another person, what I'm saying is that God may have accepted you and Jesus may have welcomed you in, but I don't. And that's not the heart of our Father. And that is not bringing help to point anyone to the one who will give them peace. And when we do that, we are effectively deciding who belongs and who doesn't. Who's part of this and who's the pariah. We are judging when there's only one righteous judge. 
And if you continue to read Romans chapter 14 and Romans chapter 15, Paul gives all these great ideas why we should have peace and patience with one another. Because all of us, we are all servants of the same master. All of us, we are children of God. All of us, he's the one who grows us naturally, not us. But then in verse 17, this is what I want us to get today. It says this. But the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not rules and regulations. It's not a list of things to do and a list of things to avoid, but of righteousness, of peace, of joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, for the one who serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God because I'm laying down my rights and I'm allowing your spirit to transform me more into the image of God. I'm acceptable to God, but I'm also approved by other people. The world will look at me when I let his fruit develop in my life and I let peace and patience and joy and love develop with the Holy Spirit working inside of me. The world will look at me and approve of me. And they'll say some of those other Christ followers, they seem like hypocrites. And some of those other churches, I don't agree with what they do. And I don't agree with what that guy says all the time. But man, I cannot disagree with the way he treats mankind. I cannot disagree with the way that he loves people who are different than him. So then, here's the work. We pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of others. Church, that's what we pursue. And that's how help happens here. We put aside our differences and we hold on to the main thing, Jesus. This is how we can come together every second Saturday and feed 600 families enough groceries for a week, even though all of us may not agree on the importance of social services in our country. This is how we can come and make this the perfect place for imperfect people every Sunday as all of us do our part to serve and to love and to care for people, even though many of us have grown up in different types of churches. This is how we can partner with other churches in our community, other pastors in our community, even though we may do things differently. Because when we're making the main thing, the main thing that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, that is how we bring real help to our community. And when we are standing before the judgment seat of God on that final day, with no fear, no anxiety, because we have peace with God. We have the peace of God because we surrendered our lives to Jesus. When we're standing face to face before the one who is to judge us of all the things we've done, let me tell you what is not going to matter. It's not going to matter if I was charismatic and you were Presbyterian. It's not going to matter if I am a Korean Cuban male church planter or you are a Jamaican Indian female pastor, the only thing that matters in eternity is did we patiently love and serve people with the prayer and the hope and the intention of pointing them to the only one who can bring eternal and everlasting peace. Do we live our lives with love and joy 
peace and patience to point people to the hope of the good news of Jesus. Some of us here, I know you have questions. I know we have some theologians here, some people maybe you're visiting from other churches, maybe you came from another church, maybe you're watching online and you're saying, but, but we have to draw the line somewhere. We can't accept everyone. Who, tell, us, tell us who's in and tell us who's out. And I'm not gonna do that. Here's why, because I'm imperfect. And I might tell you some things that are my preference and not the heart of God. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna learn and lean in to the presence of God that is with us. And we're gonna listen to what he has to say. Because I want you to understand this final point. The lines, the, the love that we live by is more important than the lines that we draw. That's what I know for sure. Faith, hope, love, love is the greatest of these. Love is the reason why Jesus came. And some of us, we've drawn lines in the sand. And we've said, I cannot because of who you are. And I've drawn a line in the sand. And I will not be at peace with you because this is what you've done. And we've drawn a line in the sand. And I have no patience for people who believe what you believe. And you're not willing to or, or you're doing too much. And we've drawn these lines in the sand. And what matters far more than that is the love that we live by. And only the Holy Spirit can lead us in that. So here's what I want to do as we conclude in our time today. I want to lean into that. I want to lean into his presence. If you're here today, I want to pray for you specifically. If you're here and, and you have drawn a line in the sand with someone that you love or once loved or someone that you've pushed out and you're saying, God, let me be the one who brings peace. If you're struggling with patience about what to do at work or what to do with that child or what to do with that friend or what to do with that church person that hurt me or what to do with that enemy. And you want to see freedom and you want help so you can help other people, I wanna pray for you. So if that's you, would you stand to your feet right now? Would you be so brave if you need prayer for peace and patience today? And Church Familia, we're gonna cover you. And I'm believing that as we lean into the Holy Spirit, that he's gonna release some things that we don't have the power to do on our own, that he's gonna give us wisdom beyond our age and our experience, that he's gonna help us to see their heart, that they matter to God, even though they've messed up. And I believe that God's gonna bring freedom in this place today. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.